Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I get into Survivor Series from last night. One of the big four pay-per-views in the calendar year for the WWE, especially we dive into that main event between Roman Reigns, your Universal Champion, against Drew McIntyre, your WWE Champion. And what a match it was. A lot to get into with that, plus the final farewell of The Undertaker. Did it meet your expectation? Is it truly the farewell of the man? We'll talk about it right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Ed Robinson, our producer, put up a poll this past weekend about what were you most looking forward to, and he listed all the matches, and he mentioned The Undertaker's final farewell, and almost 60% said that they were looking forward to the final farewell of The Undertaker, and Looking at social media, it seemed like people were kind of split about what they saw. I have to be honest, with everything and the pandemic and not being able to do this in front of the crowd, I thought the WWE did their absolute best in their fond farewell to The Undertaker last night. I thought it was as close to a perfect segment as you can possibly get. One or two little things had me scratching my head. But for the most part, I really enjoyed it from beginning to end. And I know there are a lot of people. I saw some people on social media saying, should this have really been last? Why wouldn't your, you know, your, your, your two world champions go on last? No, last night for what that farewell was that had every right to be on last. And I think it was the right decision because I don't think you were following that. And if you could follow it, it would have been with a match that, would have had to follow up 30 minutes of a sentimental ride. Yeah. And and when you have a sentimental ride like that to go right back to a wrestling match is a little difficult to do. They would have had more of a chance to do it last night with no fans in the arena because without fans in the arena, that taker thing definitely uh, no, with fans in the arena, that thing definitely goes on last. But last night they did have a chance, but they decided to go the, the direction that they did. I had no problem with it. I love the match between Roman and and um, and Drew, and I thought they did a fine follow-up with the farewell to Taker, and I think the whole thing worked. When that fi- uh, final farewell ended and you saw the Survivor Series, you know, and the WWE trademark in the corner of your TV screen, I turned off the TV and I just sat in silence for like 20 minutes after what I had just seen. Like it really definitely, you know, resonated with me. The whole thing with Paul Bearer and for those who haven't seen it, the Paul Bearer, uh, the, you know, Percy Pringle, you know, Mooney documentary that they have on the network is absolutely fabulous. 
But seeing that hologram in the ring with The Undertaker brought a tear to my eye. I don't know how anybody could have possibly have seen that and complained about the job the WWE did in that segment last night. I popped huge for the hologram of Paul Barra. I don't know if you remember, uh, maybe maybe even more than six months ago, when they were doing something for Taker, I said, I'd love to see the hologram of Paul Barra. You know, they've been able to pull that off with, with, certain, uh, with certain entertainers in rock and roll. I know they did it with Tupac. Didn't they, did an enti- didn't they do an entire tour or a couple of shows with Ronnie James Dio? Yep. Uh, they do the hologram of Michael Jackson at, uh, in, uh, in Vegas with Cirque du Soleil. So it was really cool to see Taker uh, down on one knee, you know, doing the world-famous hand cup, as yep. you uh, tweeted about last night, and Paul Barra and hearing, uh, you know, uh, uh, Percy Pringle's voice. So everything that they did last night was cool. I was wondering, this is the only thing I I, I didn't understand. They brought out all of his friends or former opponents at the beginning. Were you expecting uh, for there to be at least one moment with everybody uh, surrounding Taker and him being in the ring with them? Yeah, because it kind of reminded you of Ric Flair uh, on Raw when they did it for Rick, and they had Rick come out and everybody surrounded him, and then The Undertaker came out at the end, Vince McMahon as well. Uh, so I thought we were going to see something similar to that. They brought up, they brought out a lot of former opponents and friends of The Undertaker. And yeah, and it, it felt kind of weird that they're all in the ring, and then they come back to the ring, and everyone was gone. Um yeah, I would have liked probably a little bit of interaction, but m- maybe that would go too against the character of The Undertaker because we did not see, you know, Mark Calloway in that ring last night. That was The Undertaker last night. That was like, again, the final farewell because we're going to see the man a lot more. And obviously we're seeing a lot of him right now, but that was saying goodbye to The Undertaker character. So I guess him kind of playing off of all his former opponents and friends would go against that character, Bully. Uh, I don't know if it would have went against the character. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Uh, I do think that there is a, a good point to be made about Taker having the ring to himself. I mean, I I thought for a second there that they were going to go off with Vince and Taker in the ring together. Uh, it was great to see all of the former, uh, you know, legends, icons, uh, you know, uh, opponents of Undertaker, friends of Undertaker, maybe some, you know, people that we haven't seen in a while, like a Savio Vega or or the Godwins, good friends of Taker throughout the years. I tell you what, Dave, seeing all those men in that ring and the two smallest guys being Shawn Michaels and Jeff Hardy, who are still pretty thick dudes, you know, seeing what the business used to look like from a physical, imposing, you know, uh, you know what men used to, when the boys were men in the wrestling business, you know, and seeing what a lot of guys look like today, you know, the, the, it certainly has changed. And when I saw everybody in the ring and I see these defined 
clear cut characters that I, you know, that I knew and I understood. It's, it's almost again, another reminder of how great this wrestling industry used to be and how I believe it's gotten watered down so much over the years to where there are, there are, there are the Godwins standing in the middle of the, in the ring. And I'm like, these guys have a more definitive uh, cutout character than some of the people that I see on my TV today. So anyway, that was my, my little point about that. Enjoyed it. Great to see him. Great video packages. Great entrance for The Undertaker. Really love seeing Vince out there. Um, everything about it, I, I really enjoyed. I don't think, uh, I don't know how anybody could have not liked it. If, if they didn't like it, uh, I, I'm not quite sure what's wrong with you. Yeah, and, and, and listen, we'll get more into it, especially what Vince had to say. Uh, in that ring last night. We'll do that a lot more in hour number two. But you just mentioned about, you know, about the way a lot of wrestlers looked in the past and about, you know, the loss of personality and character. I'm going to, you know, go back to that main event from last night with Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. If you really want to find out the two big superstars in the WWE right now and two guys that you could wrap your shows around, Bully... If they really can get behind these two, they can be those stars. They can be the guys that drive this company into the future. And I'm talking about Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. Drew and Roman with, uh, my, in my opinion, the match of the night. Um, strong match, hard-hitting match, snug match. I understood who these two men were. I understood what these two men were fighting for. I liked the way they protected Drew in the finish. Everything worked last night in that match for me. Uh, I got it. And and I'll be damned if Drew and Roman don't look like those manly men that we saw standing in the, in the ring at the end of the night doing the farewell to Taker. You know, men with stature and size who look like big, bad, imposing Mother truckers, guys that when you were walking down the street, you would be afraid of. That's what this business was built on and has always been, as opposed to a lot of the, I don't know, wrestlers from today that if you saw them walking down the street, not only would you not be afraid of them, but you might try to steal them, steal their milk money. Uh, so, yeah, Drew looked phenomenal. Roman looked phenomenal. The, the Roman story uh it, it continues to be some of the best stuff there going back to smackdown uh last friday the sit down contract signing with roman and drew and the no microphones which you know i am a huge fan of just picking up banter just picking up guys talking to one another you don't you don't need a microphone we're sitting at a table where a foot away from each other you don't need microphones for that so those guys without the microphones uh, I, I really liked i thought it was a good follow-up from friday good match last night Either guy could have went over, but I thought the right guy went over. Roman, uh, obviously after last night, you know who the guy is in the WWE. It's Roman Reigns.
Hey everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host Kirk Morrison, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Let's talk about Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. Watching that match, and this is something that I think has been lacking in the WWE since John Cena, bully. And that is, you know, whether it was Hogan, Stone Cold, The Rock, or Cena, when they stepped into the ring, they gave a big match feel to everything that they did. I felt that for the first time in a long time in the WWE. I actually tweeted out as well. There was a big match feel to those two. And listen, you know, and this isn't a knock on the roster, but but maybe it is. You know, there's a lot of times when Drew McIntyre is in the ring as champion. I don't feel that. There's been times where Roman Reigns as champion, uh, I didn't feel that. But the two of them together, I really did feel it. And the first thing I felt is... This could be a main event matchup at a WrestleMania. Bully, you always talk about, man, the WWE always pulls in the veteran. They always pull in the legend. They have not been able to make marquee names in this company over the last 10 years. Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre could be those two guys if it's played right. Sure, they can. They're still not going to be at the same level as all of those other superstars that main evented WrestleMania. So they're the highest on the card by default. But I agree with you. We had a big fight feel last night. We had both of the WWE champions in there. We had two big men in there, two men that look like uh, what a pro wrestler should look like. Two men who went in there and lay their stuff in. It felt like a fight. It felt like a spirited contest. It felt like something. I knew I wasn't watching two guys going through the motions. I knew I was watching two guys who had a will, a desire, and a passion to win. I was invested in the match. I liked the psychology of the match. I liked what they did. At the end, when... um when Roman had that choke on after the, the nut shot and the interference from uh, Roman's cousin, when he had that front choke on, he was holding on for dear life. When Drew got to one leg, I was like, wow. Yep. Is he actually going to make it out of this? And then just as I'm saying wow and my emotion came up, boom, it got shut right back down because I got ah, no way. Roman's got him. Just that little fluctuation in emotion right there is what takes you on a great ride and what they gave you last night in that champion in that match between those two Haas champions was drama and what did Steve Austin and Undertaker talk about last night specifically in the first Hell in a Cell match when they were referring to Earl Hebner crawling over to make the count when Sean draped his arm arm over The Undertaker. They talked about the drama of the match. That's a word that is seriously lacking in pro wrestling today, drama. And people say, oh, but, but, but look at all the moves. Moves don't mean drama. I want to see the struggle. I want to see the fight. I want to see the drama in the match. That's what we got last night from Drew and Roman. Yeah, and 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 something that Stone Cold and Undertaker talked a lot about 
on Broken Skull Sessions. And I think there's three points that build up. One is the story going in. And I think we had a really good story with Roman and Drew. They've done a good job over the last two weeks to get you excited for that matchup. Two is something that Undertaker preached as well. And that's the fight, man. Like, put up your fists and let's have a fight. It's not about moves, like you said. It's not about flips. It's not about, you know, a 360 Lindy off the top rope. There's nothing better than that stare down, fist up, let's have a fight. You saw that last night as well. And again, you mentioned the drama, and you got the drama. It's almost like, and listen, we'll get into some of the things that we liked about last night. Some of the things we didn't like about last night, and I think we might agree a lot on what we didn't like. And there were some other matches that I really did like. But when you're trying to make an impression, when you're trying to build a match that's going to last, that you're going to go back and look back on or even want to watch again, I almost have to separate that main event bully from everything else that we watched last night. You know, because you get the shenanigans of the 24-7 championship. You get the irrelevance of the Survivor Series matches. And then you get kind of like the athletic, you know, flip competitions of some of the other matches that we saw when you look at story drama the the spirit of a fight you have to separate that main event from everything else that you watched on that show last night i would say that that main event stood out uh definitively from everything else last night the only thing that really i mean sasha versus oscar would, would be a close second but i still don't think it was nearly what drew and and roman gave us and, and I keep going back to the words that I was using, and these are words that we don't use a lot on the show because we don't get it a lot in modern-day pro wrestling, and it's unfortunate because when you hear Taker and Austin talking on the Broken Skulls, you're reminded of how great wrestling can be when we stick to the stories, when we stick to the characters, when we stick to the struggle. When we stick to the drama, you know, Taker talking, you know, Steve reminds Taker about how small Sean is compared to Taker and, and Taker admitting that he might have been small, but when it was time for him to knuckle up and start throwing punches, you knew it was real. Why? Because of the drama because of the build, because of the spirit in the fight and the heart of Shawn Michaels and his will to win. You also heard Taker say something interesting about how no matter how great Shawn Michaels was, no matter how many WrestleMania matches he might have stolen or how, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, how high he had set the bar with Taker in a bunch of these matches, Shawn always had to work up to Taker's level. And that in itself brings out the drama. Can the undersized guy find a way to fight the bigger dead man? When you, when you take those words, the drama and the struggle and, and, and all that, ask yourself where you find that today. We got it last night with Drew and Roman. And that's the hope for the future because I really do believe. And and first of all, there's a, there's a lot to what you just said with Sean and Taker because Taker talked about Sean like, hey, look at me, man. Look at my size. Look at my height. You know, Sean is pales in comparison when you look at size and height. But what could Sean do? Hey, when I make a mistake, 
he can take an advantage of a situation. That's what Shawn Michaels would do. Hey, when I open that door just a little bit, Shawn can come and take advantage of it. What Cleary said about Mick Foley as well. Look at what Mick Foley could do, Taker couldn't do, and what Taker could do, Mick Foley couldn't do. And that's the beauty of it, right? Uh, he's not. He knows his place. It's like a great championship team. Everybody knows their role and what they could do, and they don't try to slide into another role because, hey, I'm going to be the best of what I can do. Mick Foley's an example of that. But I truly believe, Bully, and I, I want to see if you agree with me or not, if the WWE and this great machine, we always talk about if a wrestler goes down, it's just like a spoke in the wheel. The wheel keeps on turning. If that big machine could get behind the Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns and say, all right, these two guys can rep Drew be our representative for Raw, you know, Roman be the representative of SmackDown, and then maybe build a huge story. Judging from what we saw last night, where you could build a big main event between these two at WrestleMania 37, I really think they can change the culture of the WWE if they decided to put the machine behind these two guys. Well, first of all, the machine is behind these two guys. Um, to an extent. No, they, they, they are more than they have been anybody else. I mean, they're the machine is behind them. They're behind Charlotte Flair. Um, but is the machine behind these talents the same way they used to be behind talents back in the day? Whenever you bring up somebody from today, you always have to, you have to compare them to somebody from 20, 25 years ago, not an apples to apples comparison, but an apples, apples comparison to the push, how the machine got behind them. Every night, Steve Austin went out there and flipped everybody off, drank beers and hit stunners every single night and that's what you tuned in to see every single night the rock went out went out there and he got on the stick and he said his lines and he made fun of people and, he, and you got a people's elbow and you got they primed every time cena went out there that's when you know they're hitting the gas on the gas pedal on a talent when the talent is out there every single week doing what they're known for playing the hits every single week getting the people into it now obviously it's a little bit more difficult right now covid no people in the you know the the, the, the video screens Hard it's to definitely difficult but that's what they have to do with the drews and the romans in the world especially drew romans there and what Roman has something that Drew does not have right now. Roman has a story. Drew's Drew doesn't really have a story. Yes, Drew fought Randy. He beat Randy. He became a champion. He got the he had the right to fight Roman. But Roman has that deep story that we can all get invested in. So, but who do you feed to these guys? Who do you feed to Drew? Who do you feed to Roman? I'm sure there's people on the horizon. There's the Fiend on the horizon or, you know, what, whatever other talents. I, off the top of my head, I, I, I don't have anybody. But it's all about those next opponents for them and the stories that they had. When you look back and you see that first uh, Sean versus Taker in Hell in a Cell, everything was there. No, the number one thing was the story. And you can create megastars when the story is there first. We got the characters. Now we throw yeah. the characters into the story. The characters are the ingredients. The story is the recipe. These days, that seems to be the exception and not the rule. 
Hi, this is Adam Shine. The Adam Shine Podcast is back for another football season. I'll give you my passionate, hard-hitting takes every week, including picks against the spread and fantasy football advice, all while talking to the biggest guests in all the sports, celebrities, media personalities, diehard football fans on a weekly basis. It's the Adam Shine Podcast with new episodes dropping on Tuesdays. You can listen to the podcast anytime with the SiriusXM app, iTunes, Pandora, and with Stitcher. After what Taker said in the ring last night, and then after what Steve said to him on the Broken Skull Sessions about you've had your last match, I think that this could be it. I think Taker now goes into the, in, in case of extreme emergency break glass category, I think Taker has now become an adrenaline shot. If somebody's dying and you have you can't bring them back with the with the with the heart the, with the you know with the the, the things you know clear poof, and you try yeah. to bring them back you, you stick a needle in their heart full of adrenaline and I think that Taker goes into that category now only if there's some kind of disaster and Vince needs something do you call the dead man but for the most part I think yep that's it and you know what it should be what else is he gonna do what else is there left to do. For 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 uh, for if you ever you know if, you, if we ever thought years ago, well, the last time we see the Undertaker, there's not going to be any fans in the arena, and it's good, and it's going to be it's going to you know look something like this. We'd probably say you're crazy, but for the most part, I thought that was a great farewell. I would have loved to seen a little interaction with his friends and coworkers. Um, we didn't get it. That was fine. I love the fact that Vince was out there. I would have liked a moment between Vince and Taker, and I guess we've seen it before, especially on the uh, on the network special. But I thought it was very fitting for Vince to bring him out there because the Undertaker is probably Vince's greatest creation. Would you agree with that, Dave? Oh, it's I, I think he's the greatest character in the history of pro wrestling. I don't even think there's a question. But if you go back to the original phone call that Vince McMahon made to Mark Calloway, and he's and when Vince said, uh, "Am I speaking to the Undertaker?" and then Taker was like, "Yeah, yeah, this is this is the Undertaker." Like this was Vince's idea. I even know the two guys that Vince bought the name Undertaker from. That's a story that maybe if you ever want to hear, I'll get into for you because Absolutely. the Undertaker. The Undertakers were a tag team in the Northeast. Do you not know this, Dave? No, I, 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 I've heard this before. Yeah, yeah. The under a, a guy named Big Val Puccio, who wrestled in the Northeast with his cousin or his brother. Um, they were the Undertakers, and Vince wanted to use the name the Undertaker and bought the that name from Big Val Puccio for like two grand or something like that you know and vince wanted that name so bad um and thus put it on mark calloway and when i say it's vince's greatest creation because he knew he had a vision for this character you know hulk hogan was kind of hulk hogan beforehand and uh you know in the awa and steve austin and the rock kind of morphed into these things on their own and then vince got behind it and i don't know if there was ever a character that was created. Maybe Mankind? That's a WWE creation. Were there any yeah, other yeah, pure but... WWE creations that... 
I mean, nothing to this height. I mean, this is this is Vince McMahon's greatest career. I think that's why there's an emotional connection for Vince. The one word, obviously, that everyone heard, and you know, whether it was just canned vocals in the Thunderdome or if there was twenty thousand people in attendance last night, and that is Vince McMahon saying goodbye to the Undertaker. The fact that he said goodbye in the ring last night leads me to believe that that truly was the final farewell of The Undertaker. Listen, you're going to hear The Undertaker spoken for the rest of time when it comes to pro wrestling. But I really tried to live in the moment when I was watching him last night, Bully, like because I do truly believe. And listen, in the world of pro wrestling, don't ever say never because things can change at the drop of a dime. But I truly believe that was the last time we saw the character, The Undertaker. From here on out, it's going to be the man. We're going to hear from the man, just like we did for two hours on Broken Skull Sessions last night. But hearing Vince McMahon, of all people, say goodbye, I know it's not the way that they planned it. And there's a lot of things you could break down over the last five or six years where maybe in hindsight you would have changed but that was their farewell in front of zero fans bully. You know, that, that's, that's the thing that hurts. Like, you know, for the undertaker, that should have been in front of 75, 80, a hundred thousand fans. But, you know, maybe this was the fitting way to say goodbye with no fans in an empty venue, because knowing the undertaker, like you do bully, you know, 30 could have been the last time we saw The Undertaker. Or 33 should have been with Roman Reigns in Orlando the last time we saw The Undertaker. Maybe the only way to finally say goodbye was in front of just his peers and friends and an empty venue. It is what it is, and it happened at the right time. A lot of people chiming in on social media last night saying, why couldn't they just wait for this? Why couldn't they, you know, wait until people were back in the arena? Well, you're only getting one 30th anniversary of Survivor Series. Yep. So that's it. Last night was the night. He debuted at the Survivor Series 30 years ago. So and he, he's nearing the end of his run. It is the end of his career now. You have to take advantage of last night. There's nothing else you can do. Um, the fact that there were no people there, unfortunate, but... The show must go on, and last night was the right night for the show to go on. Were you kind of hoping and expecting for, since they brought out all of his friends and former know. rivals, yeah. there were a couple of things that I was I, I was looking for a tiny bit more nostalgia. I would have loved to have seen Ted DiBiase do the introduction. I would have loved to have seen Brother Love walk out on the stage with him, and I yeah. would have loved to have seen the original Undertaker outfit. Yeah, there was a couple of things they like, you know, not seeing Ted DiBiase, especially Survivor Series. He was the one who originally walked him out. Uh, would have liked to have seen Ted DiBiase. You know, why not Bruce Pritchard? Like, why not like Brother Love? No, He's Brother there. Love, not Bruce yeah. Pritchard. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, Bruce two Pritchard people. works. I, I get that, but Bruce Pritchard <laughs> works for the WWE. He could have, we could have seen Brother Love last night so it's kind of surprising but you know what bully and here's the thing when i saw that hologram of paul bearer like it, it kind of washed away everything that i saw what when first of all with the undertaker on that knee and he stayed on that knee for quite some time man that was just like seeing the oh, undertaker like bro that that 
It washed away everything else. That was the perfect way to do it. I don't know how that would have played in front of a crowd. And here's the thing. Like, I know everybody's saying, well, it should have ended with a match. Should have ended with a match. Well, 33 was supposed to be that match. 33, as he said, it was that was supposed to be the end of The Undertaker. And The Undertaker didn't like that match. So he started chasing the ghost a little bit and hoping to get that big moment. It never really happened. So maybe it's best fitting that it wasn't a match. You know, well, he should have should have went out like putting somebody over. Well, The Undertaker did that at 30 with Brock Lesnar. And right now, Brock Lesnar's not with the WWE. So many people feel that that didn't really work out. So he did. He did go out by putting somebody over. And who's that? AJ Styles. I guess you could say that with the with the with that match at WrestleMania 36, um, I, AJ didn't. You know what? AJ won. Do you know how AJ won? It was something that he wanted. It was something that was a goal of his. He got Taker to pick up the phone and say yes to that match. That's how Taker put AJ over. Because Taker had no, he he wasn't going to do that match. There was no, there was no. Uh, the, 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 he, I don't think he had any thoughts of having another match. AJ picking up the phone and convincing him is how AJ wins and how Taker puts AJ over. AJ didn't have to win to go over. I think last night was fitting. I I don't. Everybody, fifty percent of the wrestling universe was pissed off by the streak coming to an end. I think a majority of the wrestling universe would have been pissed off seeing Taker lose his last match. That's one of the talents you don't need that with. Last night was fitting. Last night was appropriate. Everything we've seen from him in the past couple of years has been appropriate also. It was a good job. No complaints from me. And on a personal note, so I could say it across uh, on on live radio, national radio, whatever it is we do here. I would personally like to say thank you to the Undertaker, to the Dead Man, to Mark Calloway for allowing me to share a ring with him. Thank you for educating me. Thank you for becoming uh, friendly with me. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your locker room. Thank you for accepting me and Devon. Thank you for all the good times on the road. Thank you for letting me play cards with you on the airplane. Thanks for the shots of Jack Daniels that we did. Uh, Thank you for being a gentleman and an educator when I split the back of your head open and put eight staples in your head. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for taking the 3D. Thank you for letting us put you through a table and thank you for that god awful crip concrete crip match at the great american bash hey everyone this is lisa ann and i'm here to tell you about my new podcast the lisa ann experience this is my chance to share with you my experiences past and present including how i went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the Sirius XM app and Apple Podcasts. Nick in North Carolina. Nick, what did you want to say about The Undertaker? Hey, good morning, guys. Can you hear me okay? We got you, Nick. Okay, cool. I got the uh, Raycons in. Uh, doesn't know it's coming well. Anyway, um... Survivor Series last night. Um, 
you know, we all spoke about the whole uh, storylines kind of not really leading into anything. Uh, well, Survivor Series not leading into storylines and stuff. But last night was really cool because I got to watch Survivor Series with my dad. And I haven't, I haven't gotten to sit down and watch wrestling with my dad in a long time. And by the time we got up to the, um, the farewell of The Undertaker, uh, had to had to get back home and everything, so I didn't get to see that part with him. But you know, my dad was just kind of like, "Why is everybody a champion?" You know, there's so many belts, and you know, I kind of miss when you had like one world title, one tag team, ti- uh, one set of tag team titles. I didn't really think about all that too much until um, until he said that, and I was just like, you know, I, I really missed when it, when there wasn't so many championships and there was like more of a chase. Well, uh, you one know, other and, thing I want. Uh, oh, no, really quick. No, really quick, Nick. And, and, and thanks for the phone call because I want to end it on, on that comment because it brings us to another conversation. I think it's cool that you watched it with your father last night. But he mentioned, your dad mentioned championship titles. That's, that's one thing that Undertaker and Stone Cold got into in the Broken Skull session. So let's get into the Broken Skull session and mix in some phone calls as well, Bully, because one of the things that they talked about was championship titles. And they also talked about, like, it doesn't really mean as much anymore. And for a lot of younger fans, championship titles, Bully, is just a prop. Like, there, it really does it. Like, you know, you didn't get the championship title belt around your waist unless you were the top draw. They didn't just put a title belt on you just for the sake of putting a title belt on you and let's see where it goes. The only way you got that bully is if you were truly the top star in the company. And that's the only reason you should have a championship around your waist because you have the ability to draw money for a company. A company is showing that they have faith in you to put an ass in a seat. It's the only reason a a world championship, a tag team championship, any championship should go around your waist. It's not like a hot potato, like, oh, you, you get a chance to hold it, you get a chance to hold it. Oh, no, it's my turn. Now I get to be the champion. No. You get to be the champion when you're over and you can draw You can draw a rating. You can sell a T-shirt. You can sell a ticket. You can do something that generates money for everybody. So I totally agree. I enjoyed that uh, sit-down with Austin and Taker. Uh, I lo- obviously love the camaraderie of the veterans talking, and to me it was another reminder of why old-school mentality is the right mentality, and there really is no old-school, new-school. It's right and wrong, and the old-school mentality is the right mentality because the old school mentality focuses on the things that are most important in pro wrestling this new school mentality does not focus on the things that are most important and it's unfortunate because there's a lot of wrestlers out there who could be benefiting from the best of both worlds um you know one of the things that was said when taker and 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 Steve were talking that just, it blew me away because we always talk about, you know, guys that are Vince McMahon guys, guys that Vince created. And if Vince didn't create you, you were only going to go so far in his company. And do you remember when uh, when um, Taker had the choice of working with Flair and RVD? Yep. Talked about it. And Taker said, I want to work with Flair. And Taker didn't think that Vince was going to allow it because Flair wasn't a Vince guy. 
Think about that. Well, and and first of all, you're 100 percent right. And like, and it's and and that's one of the things. Like, I can't believe Undertaker went there because he could have easily just said, "Hey, you know, Vince said, hey, well, RVD's the younger guy, and Flair's kind of on his way out. This could elevate RVDs. He's hot. He's young." Um, and like he could have left it at that, but he he did. He said, "You know, he was Flair was not a Vince guy," and it was almost like. What? Like, think about that. If listen, no disrespect to RVD. RVD is a, is a legend. You know that. But Ric Flair is the greatest of all time. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can't compare anybody to Flair because it's freaking Ric Flair. Like, if you look at that now, hey, you know, Undertaker, who do you want to face at WrestleMania, RVD or Ric Flair? I think most fans would say, well, that's a no-brainer. It's Ric Flair. He's the greatest of all time. Why would the Undertaker not pick Ric Flair? But. Vince McMahon was almost flabbergasted, bully, by the fact that Undertaker wanted to go to the point where he's like, are you sure you don't want RVD? No, no, I want Flair. If you're asking me, I want Flair. Really? You, you, you really want Flair? Because, like you said, Flair was not a Vince guy. And when you, when you look at it at 30,000 feet. Wait, 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 really quick. Really quick. I'm sorry. But for those who are listening, when I say that Flair was not a Vince guy, not that Flair didn't love Vince. Vince did not create Ric Flair. That's what I mean and, by that. And look at two of the other most over personalities in the history of our industry that weren't Vince guys that were treated considerably different when they got to the WWE. Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors. Oh, I, you know what? I'll, I'll even throw Harley Race in there as well and, and the reason why i throw out harley race is because you know when you see or hear interviews with the undertaker i was actually watching that that hot way i don't know what it's called but it's like you know the, the, the you know celebrities eat hot wings and taste the wings well they had the undertaker on and and they asked him about like name like like the, the great like name a match that people have to go and watch and he named four and one of the things he said was any Ric Flair Harley Race match. So any, any match with Ric Flair and Harley Race, doesn't matter which one, they're all great. Well, think about that. It's, and by the way, thank you, Ed. It's it's called Hot Ones is the name of the Hot Wing show. Pretty nifty name, Hot Ones. But think about that. Two of the, like, two, like, it doesn't matter. Put those two guys in the ring together. And most people will say probably the greatest champions of all time was Ric Flair and Harley Race. Vince McMahon changed both those guys when they came to the WWF. Yeah, absolutely. Because he needs to put his stamp of approval on you. He needs to change you up so there's something unique about you in the WWE. Uh, I, I told you my own story. Uh, get, 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 get rid of the tie-dye stuff. Well, you this is these are the guys you hired. You don't want us to wear the tie-dye anymore? Nope. Change. What do you want us to wear? I don't care. All right, we'll put on camos. Great, love it. But how do you tamper with Ric Flair? How do you tamper with Dusty Rhodes? How do you tamper with Holly Race? How do you tamper with the Road Warriors? All that stuff really comes into focus when you hear The Undertaker say, Ric Flair wasn't a Vince McMahon guy. Yep. When you hear him say it out loud, it all makes sense now. 
So if you ever doubted that, like I say it on the show a lot, like, you know, Vince needs to create you in his image, much like God created man in the Bible. It's got to be Vince McMahon's image of you. If you're truly going to make it anywhere in this in the WWE, a few anomalies here and there. Um, let's see what else went on last night. Uh, one of the things that they talked about that really resonated with me was the amount of time spent on the road and how having a relationship at home or, you know, raising your children or just how difficult life is when you finally get home. So I'm going to try to compare it to something, Dave. Um, what is the longest tour? And Ed, you can chime on in on this too. Uh, it's a rock and roll thing. What's the longest tour you guys have, have known in the world of rock and roll? I, I mean, I probably would bring up like Metallica for the Black Album. They were on the road almost three years, you know, promoting that album. So I'd probably throw that one out. Ed might have a different answer. Actually, speaking of Metallica, this last, well, you know, put on pause because of the ongoing pandemic, but the uh, the World Wired tour began shortly after that album was released in 2016, and it's just been a continuation ever since until the pandemic put the kibosh on that. I'm talking about a, a tour that is every single night. Like a lot of these tours, they get little breaks in between. The one that comes to mind for me is the Use Your Illusion tour Guns N' Roses did, where they were on the road for two and a half years straight. I don't think there was any breaks or downtime. Yeah, they might have had a day off here and there, but that was a long, long tour of back-to-back-to-back nights. Anyway, my point is this. A rock and roll band goes out on the road for two, three years at a clip. Then they come home, Dave, and how long are they home for? They could could be home for a few years before making a new album. Wrestlers, 300 nights a year. Year after year after year. I know it's not like that right now, but when everything was hitting on all cylinders, okay? And I'm going to go back to the... Back to listen. We we always heard Ric Flair say it in promos. You know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, seven nights a week and twice on Sundays, or you know, something like that. When you're out there that long, that many nights, the road becomes your home. You have no idea what to do when you get in your own home, where you're paying your mortgage, or where your wife or your girlfriend or your children are. It's not natural to you. I used to sleep worse in my own bed because all I knew was hotel room beds. I used to get home after being on the road for five, six days straight for that day where you you did laundry, you checked the mail, uh, you repacked your bags, and I, I wouldn't know what to do with myself because I'm supposed to be out on the road. I should be driving right now. I should be at a show right now. I should be doing this right now. So... When you hear how hard it is to maintain a personal relationship, it's because I don't know of any other uh, athlete or entertainer who does what a wrestler does. If you're in the world of pro football, you're getting, you know, three, four months off on a, you know, your season. Baseball, same thing. Everything has a season. If you're, uh, if you're working on a movie for a year and then, you know, you, you go home. Uh, a, rock, a rock and roll tour, you're out there for two, three years, then you go home. Not wrestling. You're never home. You don't go home. Think about living out of your uh, suitcase 300 nights a year. Crazy. Year after year after year after year. 
it is a very difficult lifestyle that is very taxing on your body, on your relationships, on your family. And back then, wrestlers didn't talk about all of the psychological toll that being on the road took. We hear about a lot of wrestlers today with anxiety and depression. Um, I, I equate that more to the social media aspect of things. But my God, back in the day, you know, and this is where I believe the business has gotten better. Back in the day, what did guys do? They medicated themselves to get through the physical pain, the mental pain. We see a lot less of that in wrestling these days, which is a very good thing. But the, 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 the life of a pro wrestler is a very, very difficult lifestyle, and I challenge anybody to uh, come uh, give an example of a lifestyle that's more grueling. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.